Hi, I'm Caleb Giddings, and you're watching Firearms Industry News for the week ending September 11th, 2020. Today is the 19th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, a moment that shaped my generation and certainly shaped my life. And I won't go into a long-winded spiel about it today. All I ask is that you remember the people who lost their lives as you see fit, and you remember what that sacrifice means. All right, with that, let's do the news. I have been out of the office for a couple of weeks, so we haven't had an episode for a while, but it's nice to be back. It's nice to be talking to you guys again, and I want to thank everyone for the positive reviews on iTunes and Spotify. Watching those numbers go up every week is really great for me, and of course, if you're watching this on Facebook or Instagram, make sure you like, share, and show this to all of your friends. There's not a whole lot of news this week. We have one very interesting story that I want to break down for you guys because there's long-ranging implications in this story that also affect the ongoing ammunition crisis, but we'll do that one last. First, we have some new products from Smith & Wesson. Smith & Wesson has launched an optics-ready M&P9 2.0 compact. So several years ago, Smith & Wesson launched the M&P 2.0, which took a lot of the features that shooters had been asking for in the M&P pistol and added them in. It's got better grips in terms of its surface contact area and the friction. It's got a nicer trigger. In general, the M&P 2.0 was a really great gun, is a really great gun. And for the first time, they had a genuine compact entry. The M&P 2.0 compact really fits in that Glock 19 sized niche that a lot of shooters are looking for. And now we have an M&P 2.0 compact optics ready. The optics ready system on the M&P pistols is pretty great. You can just pop the plate off, pop your optic on, and you're pretty much ready to party. It's one of the better factory mounting solutions out there. And the fact that M&P is bringing out their compact, that Glock 19 size as an optics ready platform is fantastic. Moving on, our next story, we have some match results, which is a nice thing to say because we haven't had a lot of shooting sports lately. Bianchi Cup got canceled. It had been delayed until the first week of September, which was last week, and then it just got straight up canceled. So that's kind of a bummer that there was no cup. I was actually looking forward to reporting that Doug Koenig won his 633rd Bianchi Cup. I'm kidding, he might not have won, but he was probably gonna win. But USPSA had their standard or low capacity nationals. So over the last weekend, USPSA had single stack nationals, revolver nationals, and limited 10 nationals. And winning single stack nationals is a name that should not surprise anyone won single stack nationals, Rob Lethem. Right behind him, I'll round out the top five for you. You have Mike Seeklander at a 98.99% of Rob. That's really close. Jeff Cawthon, Elias, I'm going to mess up his last name, Frangulis, Frangulis. I don't know if that's like a hard G G or a soft J G, but you've got Elias Franny and Paul Kerr rounding out the top five. Uh, honorable mention in sixth place because he's my friend is Phil Strader. All right, that was your single stack match. The low cap nationals were held at the Talladega CMP range, which is in Talladega, 
relatively close to the racetrack and is by far the nicest range I have ever shot a major match at. I was there in 2018 when they had IDPA Nationals and it is a gorgeous facility. It's beautiful. If you ever get the chance to shoot a match at the CMP Talladega range, I strongly recommend it. Moving on, we have Limited 10 Nationals. The Limited 10 National Champion is another friend of mine, Blake Miguez, who in addition to being a national champion level shooter, is a state representative in Louisiana, and I think he's a pirate too, because he owns a bunch of boats, but I never see him doing work things with his boat. So national champion, state representative, and pirate Blake Miguez won the Limited 10 National Championship. Rounding out your top five with some familiar names, Rob Letham, Jeff Cawthon, Mike Seeklander, and Shane Cooley finishing at number five. Also, shout out to local Florida boy Gorka Ibanez, who I've shot with, uh, finishing seventh in limited 10. A top 10 finish in this field of sharks is actually pretty impressive. What's also impressive is that limited 10 nationals managed to draw almost uh, 70 shooters, which is, that's pretty cool, man. It's not the most popular division in USPSA, and there's been a lot of noise about maybe making it go away. But at least at the national championship level, it is stacked full of killers. That's true for most national championships. All right, and our last match, the one that matters the most to me. Revolver National Championships. Jerry didn't shoot Revolver Nationals this year. I think after winning it 700 times in a row, he's probably kind of tired of it. So your Revolver National Champion is Michael Poggy. Your second place is my friend Josh, Josh Lentz, who I've shot heads up with against, and he is a phenomenal shooter. In third place, you have Caleb Hybe. Fourth, James McGinty. And fifth, you have uh, repeated i National Champion, Rich Wolf. Let's see, you have your a high senior, John Copey. High super senior is Elliot Asin. Do, do, do. Your high military is Jonathan Cowan. And your high lady is Annette Asin. Are there any juniors? No. Maybe. No. There are no juniors. <laughs> there are no juniors shooting revolver division. What a shocker. Uh, Revolver Nationals drew 43 attendees, so not the most popular division in USPSA. But again, at the top level, full of killers. All right, and that wraps up our match results for the week. So the last story that we want to bring to you guys is something that you may not have heard about. So JJE Capital bid $65 million for Remington's ammunition business. If you... Remember past segments, Remington has declared bankruptcy for the second time in three years. And what they've done is they've done this bankruptcy declaration with the intention of splitting up their assets. So I'm kind of, I'm going to explain this. It's kind of like, it's a little complicated. So here we go. The, uh, Bank, uh, Remington filed the second bankruptcy case, this one that we're talking about, with the intent to sell its assets. Uh, it's faced some opposition because the uh, group of families that are still in the lawsuit process against Remington from the Sandy Hook massacre think that they should be compensated and listed as one of the uncompensated creditors for 
Remington during this bankruptcy. And part of the goal of this bankruptcy is to wipe that tort liability off of Remington's record. The judge who's overseeing all of this ruled against the Sandy Hook families and said that Remington can go ahead and proceed with the sale of its ammunition business for $65 million to JJE Capital. A final ruling on that will be in a hearing on September 23rd. So this sale is not a done deal. JJE, JJE Capital has just placed the bid for Remington's ammo business. There are still plenty of legal hurdles that this must get through. Now here's why this is important to you and me. JJE Capital is also the same holding company that owns Palmetto State Armory. If they were to take over Remington's ammunition business, it is foreseeable that they would be able to start pumping out ammo very, very rapidly on top of that. And lots of people have lots of feelings about Palmetto State Armory, but one thing that you cannot say about them is that they don't manage their business well, and they do. They manage their businesses very well. Palmetto State Armory is hugely successful. And so moving these Remington assets over to a company that's actually good at doing business, especially in a time when ammo is extremely difficult to get, is nothing but a good thing for shooters. Remington has been mismanaged as a brand, it's been mismanaged as a company, and it is really disappointing to see the sort of struggles that that has brought to one of the most historic brands in the firearms industry. So for us as gun owners and shooters, the fact that Remington's ammo business, which is to me the most important part of their business, might go to someone who's actually good at business is a good thing. Again, the sale is not final. It's just a bid that they have submitted. It's been mostly approved, but after September 23rd, we'll find out the final disposition of the bid. And that is it for the news. I do have a new project that I want to talk to you guys about. This is the Ultimate Red Dot Fighting Revolver. It is a Smith & Wesson 686 Plus. It's seven shots. It has an Apex Tactical Acro mount on it, an Aimpoint Acro. It's got an Apex Evolution bobbed hammer. It's got Apex guts, and it's got VZ grips on it. And this gun is going to hopefully be the gun that I spend a huge amount of time shooting and really ringing out this whole idea of a modern fighting revolver. For updates on that, I suggest you go to Gat Daily on YouTube and subscribe to them over there. If you're a fan of the news and you want to keep watching, make sure you follow me here on Facebook or Instagram if you're watching that. Subscribe to the podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. Thank you everyone for watching. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a wonderful week.